0: Bounce pass comes into Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, Go! The Bulls win, it! they win it! They do have a timeout, decide not to use it, Curry, way downtown, bang, bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Three seconds at midcourt, gives it to Jenkins, for the
1: championship! <laughs> it is possible! You're listening to Hoops and Scoops on WNYU 89.1 FM. This is your host, Rebecca Lift, joined by your panel of Liza, David, and Aaron. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome in to the... I almost said the cheap seats. To Hoops and Scoops. Wrong show. Uh, To Hoops and Scoops on WNYU 89.1 FM. I'm joined by my usual panel of Liza, David, and Aaron. Uh, I want to start off by talking a little bit of NBA. Of course, this past Thursday was the trade deadline, and it always lives up to the hype, as it was as busy as always, um, including some blockbuster trades. I want to start with, um, a little bit of a, I feel like underrated move. Um, and Liza, I'm going to kick it to you, um, for this one. So first off, um, Fournier being traded from, um, Orlando to Boston. I like this trade. Uh, who did they trade again? Uh,
2: was it Teague Forum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Play. I think it was Teague. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I like it. I think it's a lot better than the other trade that they did, which is the Tice trade. I think they were getting someone that will actually help the team oh, yeah, they don't need those second draft picks anyway. In my personal opinion, I think they have enough talent that they can develop right now. So I think they weren't giving away much that they needed in terms of capital with a player and a draft pick to get someone that they drastically need, which is someone that can, like, decently shoot or hopefully solve the problems that are going on in Boston right now. Um, Yeah, I like this trade a lot more than their Tice trade for Wagner. By so much because I think Tice was essential to the team. I think Teague isn't. We'll see how Fournier does here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm liking the trade. I feel like it gives the um, Celtics some needed scoring that they've been lacking um, with losing, um, you know, Gordon Hayward, who, you know, even though he wasn't great, he still provided scoring, you um, So, um,
2: the issue with Hayward is they were going to trade him anyway, and then they waited too long to do anything with him. So I'm kind of happy that at least on this time they jumped on something.
1: Yep. Um, so I, I'm a fan of this trade. Um, and then, you know, of course you said the second one was Tice. I I don't see the point in that trade. What is the
2: point? There was no point. <laughs> I don't know Wagner's stats off the top of my head, but there there really was no point in my opinion for that one other than to like maybe be like, look, we're actually doing something to try and save this team that's doing so much worse than what was predicted. But if you have the Fournier trade, I don't understand why you had to go with the Tice trade as well.
0: I think the only thing is that um, Wagner can – shoot a little bit so he spaces the floor a little bit better and I mean we've seen the Celtics run lineups with like Tristan Thompson and Tice on the floor at the same time. So I guess if you have Wagner in there too, like instead of Tice, like he spaces it a little bit more. He's actually willing to shoot the three ball instead of like, you know, Daniel would take mostly mid ranges it like if he ever ventured outside of the paint. And so I guess it's just a spacing issue. But this also seems like a lateral if not like, you know, just slightly downward move because, you know, I feel like the Celtics are better with Daniel Dice than they are with Tristan Thompson, but.
1: I don't see the point in it. But, you know, they made the moves and I guess now we will see. Um, I want to move into probably the biggest um, trade uh, that being, um, Nikola Vucevic, um, going to Chicago in exchange, uh, Nikola Vucevic, Alfaruk in exchange for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, and two future first. um, so, the Magic, they're blowing it all up. Aaron, how you feeling? Magic blowing it all up.
3: It was a little bit of a weird move, honestly. I, I wasn't really expecting Vucevic to be, you know, that big trade that would happen at the deadline. Personally, I didn't like it too much for the Magic just because, like, yeah, they're not really doing too well in the standings, but when have they ever? And-
1: well, they got two future firsts.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like if they have Levine and Vucevic, they might end up just being like one of those – the Bulls will be like one of those middle-of-the-pack teams that will probably be in the play-in tournament. Um, the only reason why I think this move is kind of cool because when Jonathan Isaac comes back, him and Wendell Carter might help the team defensively. But other than that, I would have kept Vuce just because I think he's like, one of the best centers in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess they just felt like it was time to blow it all up. um, Which is definitely an interesting move. Um, So, I guess we'll see there how things work out. Um, I'm a fan of the trade. Um, I like that Chicago's making moves to try and help out. um, um, Zach Levine. um david mr opinionated you're quiet
0: um i mean for this trade i feel like if you're the magic it makes the most sense to trade him now because he hasn't vocally made a trade request but you feel like it was kind of coming you know the magic we're middling he's been there for a while he he's getting you know he's in his prime he wants to win he, he doesn't want to end up on a team that finishes eight nine 10 11 12 13 14 every single season and with Isaac out Fultz out both of them are on long-term contracts you're getting rid of Aaron Gordon who's already made it vocal that he wants to leave Vucevic is also averaging like 24 points which I think is a career best and like on 40 percent from three so there's a like that's a big value for him you get two future firsts And then, you know, Wendell Carter, who kind of fills the hole at center that's leaving because, you know, you're trading your franchise cornerstone. And then you get two firsts along with the two seconds you get from Evan Fournier, which means you have now Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, who's coming off an injury. Markel Fultz who's coming off an injury and then picks on picks on picks to retool, get some decent role players around them. And you can actually like, you know, they're a small market team. So that's what you have to do if you're going to compete is draft well and keep who you have. And if you suck, you can't keep who you have. So then you have to go back and draft well. And so if you, you know, just get four different picks over the span of a day, what five, including the first, I think they got from Denver, right. That's going to increase your odds of hitting on at least like, you know, solid role players, if not solid starters for your team for years to come. And so I think right now, at that deadline, the value was the highest for Vucevic it was going to be because he still got two years on his contract. His contract's front-loaded as well, so his cap hit goes down, so teams are going to be interested in that. And he's playing the best basketball he has in the NBA. So it, there's just so many reasons to get rid of him now. He hasn't made a public request, so his value's still decently high.
1: Yeah. And I mean, um, the other trade, um, the magic making, just further blowing it up. Training. Excuse me. Aaron Gordon, um, and Gary Clark, um, to the, um, Nuggets in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and, um, future first round picks um interesting trade here um I think I mean I I like it for the Nuggets gives them another piece uh we all know Aaron Gordon's wanted out for seems like a while um Liza how you feeling about this move do you think it do you think it significantly makes the Nuggets better
2: I mean, I think it makes them a little bit better. I don't think it's, like, significant enough to bump them up to be a huge contender. But I think that it makes them more, like, giving them more of a fighting chance than what they had, but not enough to, like, put them up above and beyond, I think, my expectations of them going still out in the first or second round. I think it's,
1: it's first...
2: Not the first, but like I don't like the way the NBA does it with seven games, um, but I think they would still go out in the second round. I don't really see them like making it that far.
1: <laughs> Guess. I think a
0: kind of underrated part of this trade is RJ Hampton. Because, like, you know, you trade Aaron Gordon, who's publicly wanted out. You get a first-round pick. You get Gary Harris, who's a decent rotation piece. But RJ Hampton's, like, 20 years old. He hasn't been playing that well. But, like, this dude was a lottery pick for a reason. Like, he's he's very athletic. He's he's, he's a very raw basketball player. And that's, like, a tanking magic is kind of the perfect place for him to just, like, you know, put shots up that don't mean too much you're, you're really never going to be under too much stress to win this season. So he's just going to get a lot of game time. He's going to be able to develop. He's going to get the ball in his hands a lot. And I think it's the best case scenario for RJ Hampton, because, you know, you're going to be able to play NBA caliber basketball, but it's not, you're not in a place like Denver where they're trying to win every single game and you have to be behind, you know, people like Jamal Murray on the depth chart in like, The Magic just traded Evan Fournier, who's probably, you know, their primary ball handler. Markel Fultz is hurt. So, RJ Hampton's going to slide in, get 20, 30 minutes a game at, like, at the minimum. And he's going to be able to develop into a solid NBA player. And they got him basically just as, like, a throw-in piece to match salaries.
1: Yeah. I mean, I – think uh, we'll see how uh, rj hampton um developed because i i thought that was an interesting piece for them to trade away um but guess they're in a win now um kind of time so um i want to talk about probably the next biggest trade um which i am a big fan of i think the heat made two extremely solid trades first off um Numanja uh from the Kings, Formo, Harkless, and Chris Silva. Great trade there. Like that a lot. Um, adds another um, solid uh, four uh, for the Heat. Uh, play alongside Bam or play when Bam's off the court. Um, and then, of course, um, Victor Oladipo going um, from Houston to Miami in exchange for Kelly O'Linick, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 draft pick swap. What the hell is wrong with the Rockets?
0: Um, I've been talking about this since it's happened. Here's my grand theory. Here's what I think happened. Hmm. Obviously, none of this has been confirmed, but there were reports that teams that were kind of, you know, cap tied for a long time were interested in trading Oladipo because he's an ex- <laughs> like trading for Oladipo because he's an expiring contract. I think what happened is Raphael Stone, general manager of the Rockets wanted to wait until deadline day to hope some team got really desperate to kind of throw something that they probably shouldn't for Victor Oladipo. He's not that good at basketball. Like he's a decent player, but he's not, he, I don't think he's going to move the needle too much when you trade for him. And he's very inefficient on the ball. He takes a lot of bad shots. Uh, but I think he waited. And then once the magic decided to kind of blow it up all at once, a team like Denver was in the question to get Oladipo. Um, and something that was like, something that was reported was that they were offering Gary Harris, I think bowl Bull, and then a first round pick. So that's, that's a very similar package to what the magic got for Aaron Gordon. So that team's immediately out. The bulls were also apparently interested traded for Vucevic for, you know, they gave up a little bit more than you would have had to for Oladipo, but Vucevic is also better and, you know, affects the game more generally. So I think that when he waited, as soon as the magic started blowing it up, Oladipo's value just tanked immediately. And instead of letting Oladipo leave for free, you take two contracts on that are also expiring. So you're not going to take on any long-term cap. And then you get the opportunity to swap the Nets pick, next year for the heat pick. And I think we can kind of all agree that it's very likely that the nets next season are going to be, you know, drafting fairly late in the first round and the heat, you know, the heat are a good team, but they may, may finish like 20th, 21st when it comes to drafting and the nets are probably going to finish like 28, 29 30th to where you move up a few spots, you take what you can get, you move on. You waited too long, you should have taken any deal that you could that would get you just a first-round pick in general. But hindsight's twenty twenty. you wanted to see if anybody would get desperate, and you move on, you get a slightly better Waiting the
1: Heat to get desperate, a guy like Pat Riley. Not
0: the, not the Heat. I'm not talking <laughs> about the Heat. I'm talking about okay. any other team. It was always going to be Oladipo to the Heat. He was saying how he wanted to go to the Heat in the offseason, like – sure like whatever if if you didn't find any other suitors it was always just going to be to the heat but the other teams that were reported the teams that are like stuck in like cap hell at this point you kind of like those were the teams that as a Rockets fan I wanted to see because they were offering like you know a young player who was maybe it wasn't playing much and you could kind of like try and develop and a late first like a lottery protected first or whatever I think you take that as soon as you're offered, but Raphael Stone disagreed. He waited a little while and it turned into a mediocre to bad Oladipo trade. But honestly, I'm just glad Oladipo has gone because all he was doing was taking touches from Kevin Porter Jr. And uh, I, I like watching KPJ on the ball a lot more than Victor Oladipo. And I can just say that with 100% confidence.
1: Well, I, as a Heat fan, I'm very happy with this trade. We needed to do something. Um, I'm excited to see what he has to bring. Um, I think it adds another ball handler that can take um, pressure away from Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, Goran Dragic has still been out injured right now, and that is definitely not helping. Um so, I, I mean, I like the uh, the trade for the Heat. I, I really do. Um, and they didn't have to give up. Um, I mean, Kelly Olenek has not been playing well. Um, Avery Bradley's been out injured. So, I, I'm a big fan of the deal. Um, um, and you didn't have to give up Duncan Robinson. Once this trade came through and I saw that the Heat – got through the day without giving up Duncan Robinson or Tyler hero, I could have cried right there. Cause I was so nervous, not as much for Tyler, but for Duncan. And I love Duncan. And he, I feel like you could already see in the few games like that, at least for Duncan, it seems like a weights off his shoulders because he's already shooting the ball better. I think to be honest, for a guy like him, there was a lot of nerves around this. So um, I do think he's already playing better. Um, so I was definitely extremely worried about that. Um, so I'm a fan of the trade. Uh, the one other trade that uh, I'll just report that I thought was kind of an interesting trade, um, I don't think it really moves the needle anywhere. But um, well, I guess there's actually two interesting ones. Rajon Rondo to the Clippers in exchange for um, two second-round picks and Lou Williams. Uh, So uh, Lou will be going to get his uh, wings in Atlanta, um, which has its own humorous parts to it. Um, And then um, the... Uh, Blazers trading um, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to the Raptors for Norman Powell. Now, the one move I want to talk, I guess, actually, you know what, I'm going to table this because there's so much NCAA to talk, and I think that the Raptors in them not ending up dealing Lowry can save for another day. So I want to move into uh, the NCAA Um, Of course, we are in the midst right now of the Sweet 16, um, and it has been quite um, uh, the uh, March Madness so far. I mean, it lives up to its name every year. as we're recording this, uh, Gonzaga just beat Creighton, um, as well as last night. Um, of course, I'm trying to bring up um, a bracket so I don't report anything wrong. Um,
0: I have it up if you want me to say it.
1: I, I, I got it. Uh, Baylor beating uh, Villanova. Um Arkansas, last minute, taking down Cinderella, Oral Roberts. Um, Loyola, Chicago, falling to Oregon State. Houston, besting Syracuse, uh, which leaves us with uh, today, UCLA, Alabama, Michigan, Florida State, and... Um USC Oregon. Um, some good matchups left today. Uh, the one or I guess the two matchups set for the final or the Elite Eight. Um Oregon State playing Houston and Baylor against Arkansas. So um, you know, there's been a lot of different uh teams uh surprising um so far. Um Aaron I know you don't follow college quite as much as the other two do but kind of what was your what's been your biggest surprise that you've seen
3: I was just very upset that Oral Roberts lost last night because I saw that they were leading during my Passover Seder and I had a little talk with God I'm like oh God please let Oral win it would be so funny but then they lost so yeah not fun
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they surprised everybody. Um, I'm kind of bummed that, uh, Loyola Chicago lost. To me, that's the bigger, um, bummer. Um, but you know, um, it's interesting because, uh, we actually have three number one seeds left, um, at this point in the sweet 16, everybody except for Illinois, who, you know, of course, lost Loyola Chicago. Um, and then the other really interesting one to me is that UCLA is still in this because they were one of the, um, what, the first four in? And they're still in it. That's crazy to me.
0: It's um, not that surprising to yeah. me just based on the competition that they played. It was, what, they played BYU in the first... In the first round, and BYU's a little bit overrated. I don't think they should have been a six seed. Probably a bit lower. Um, just like my, you guys know my opinions on the West Coast Conference. I have made it blatantly clear. Um, and then they played what Abilene Christian next. Yeah. And so like Abilene Christian's a good fundamental basketball team. They lead. They lead the league. Uh, they lead the NCAA in um, turnovers, like forcing turnovers. But. UCLA kind of, you know, saw the defense that they played were able to break it because ACU's defense is very like like they will try and jump passing lanes. So if you like predict where they're going to try and jump, you will get plenty of open shots if they you know, if you get the pass through because then somebody's going to be out of position, you're going to be open. So they won by 20. But it's not like that. They've really had to take on a team that's like exceptionally good. It's just... I guess
1: we'll see tonight when they face Alabama.
2: The other thing is, I think UCLA was favored, at least in the Pac-12, which we can see now is a very strong conference in basketball. So it's not shocking seeing that they're doing this well. I think they just had a really crappy postseason in the Pac-12.
1: Now, um, David, I want to ask you how your favorite conference is doing.
0: Um... Uh, Baylor is going to win it all, and I'm still living by that. Um, they are the most complete team in March right now. and
1: oh, I wasn't I, asking about that conference.
0: Oh, you're talking about the Southwest Conference or the Big Ten?
1: I'm talking about the Big Ten.
0: Oh, yes. We can definitely talk about the Big Ten falling apart as Nostradamus himself here predicted because it's a bunch of frauds. And everybody knew that. Anyone who has watched college basketball for more than, like, a year should have been able to look at the games the Big Ten played and been like, eh, they're not as good as everyone says. Like, Iowa got blown out by Oregon. Oregon. The Ducks. Ducks haven't been good in a long time. They're living off that Nike sponsorship right now. Like, just – The amount of games that the Big Ten were favored in and probably should have won and didn't, it's pathetic. Like, Illinois was supposed to be one of the best teams in the country and they lost to Sister Jean Basketball School? Like, come on, guys. You can't look me in the eyes with a straight face and tell me that the Big Ten was the best conference in basketball this year when all of their teams are falling apart when it means the most to a competition that they should have been. Don't get me wrong. Loyola Chicago should not have been an eight seed. They should have been a four or five seed. If you look at any rating system that the NCAA uses, they should have been higher, like Ken Palm, net rating. They were both top 25. But still. Illinois should have been able to win that game. With that
2: argument, so should have Oral Roberts. I'm pretty sure they're 12th in the country in three-point percentage, and they had the. No, no, I don't. Score. I don't mean
0: like. I don't mean shooting percentage. I mean like the net ratings of like the teams, like NCAA's net rating. I think. I think Loyola Chicago was like top 15. At the oh end yeah, the
2: no, Loyola time. Chicago was definitely underseeded, which screwed over Illinois.
0: Yeah, but also Illinois should have been able to win that game. If you're saying that the Big Ten is this wonder conference of, you know, you have nine teams in the tournament, you have X amount of potential championship contenders, whatever, everyone on ESPN, everyone on CBS, everyone on TBS was sitting there just praising this mega conference of absolute stars whatever and then you just throw them against a zone defense and they fall apart syracuse would have won the big 10 at this rate but uh, like buddy Bayheim would have been big 10 player of the year if that's how you want to do it just run a two three zone and all these teams fall apart are you kidding me you have no competition to that and you're supposed to be one of the best you're supposed to be one of the best conferences that march madness has ever seen and you can't beat a simple zone High school teams can beat the zone. There are gaps in the zone that anyone who's watched basketball for more than two years knows, and you can't beat it. It's pathetic. It's Isn't pathetic. that more of a coaching issue? I mean, sure. All Big Ten
2: coaches you, suck. You can that, say it's a coaching a issue. Fact.
0: You could say it's a coaching issue, but these players should be able to execute. You're telling me two-three zone, right? Open shot, top of the paint. Every single time, it's basically a free throw. That's how the that's how you, that's how you break that zone, and it just falls apart. And you're supposed to be some of the best players. You're supposed to be however lottery, however many lottery picks, however M- NBA draft picks, whatever. And you can't do that. Come on, come on. And I am so glad. I am so 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 glad that in two years. Luca Garza is going to be playing basketball in Greece and I'm never going to have to see the man again. Never again. Not once. That's cold, David. That's cold. It's true. He's going to be a late second round pick. He's not going to latch on anywhere because the man has the lateral quickness of like, I don't, I don't even know. He's got the lateral quickness of a manatee. Come on. He can barely shuffle side to side. The only reason he dominates in college is because the dude's seven feet tall and can just dominate in the post. But welcome to the National Basketball Association. That does not happen here. Shoot a three or just, like, he's not able to play defense. He can't. Like – the the reason Iowa won so many games was not because they were able to play defense. And then you play a team like Oregon that can run out and transition and you get dominated. You get embarrassed on national television. It's pathetic. Sure. He went off. He had what? 35 points. Sure. Whatever. The reason they lost was because he can't play paint defense because he can't get back in transition fast enough because the man runs slower than I do, and I haven't worked out since since coronavirus happened.
3: David has very similar yelling mannerisms to Bernie Sanders.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I've been told that. Uh, <laughs> also, one last thing. Mm. You put U of H against... Against Gonzaga, U of H is going to win. Telling you this right now. If it happens, Cougar's going to win it. Put your money on it. I don't care. Dejon Giroux had Buddy Bayheim locked in Azkaban last night. And you're telling me he can't do that to anyone else? He's one of the best, if not the best, on ball defender in college basketball this year. And you are going to see that.
1: I love Buddy Bayheim. He's such
2: a cutie. Um, he looks yes. like
0: every other white man. What are you talking about?
2: That's why.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not true. Dude, That's I went, to, I went to an all-boys Catholic private school. I can send you 25 of him. Come on. Yo, it, okay, it looks like black. he only wears vineyard vines and Sperry's.
1: You know what? I can't. I think he's kind of cute, but that's me. Um, <laughs> but either way, they lost. Um, but still, Syracuse pointing to the fact that they bring out their zone. People can't figure it out. They win in the postseason. That didn't happen last night, but it did happen in the first two rounds. Um, yeah, which is you why
0: did figure it out? Kelvin Sampson,
1: that's who Go Cougs, baby Oh my god I can't with you sometimes, David He just um, high-fives himself Okay, Bernie
2: David, did um, your roommate hear you do this?
0: Oh, he's at home He's at home celebrating Passover <laughs> with his family that's, that's why I get free reign to, to just be as loud Shout as I out. He also wouldn't care. I mean, I've done it before. He's listened to me yell about the New York Knicks on this podcast. He does not care.
3: That was a great episode.
1: Oh, God. All right. So anyone have any last minute things they would like to point out? Um, any predictions going into the week? Um, of course, we'll be
2: back before the um, Final Michigan. Four. What, David? It's happening.
0: Florida State's beating Michigan. No. David just needs
2: the last Big Ten team out to prove his point. Florida State's one of the best. Oh, no. I have Florida State beating Michigan, yeah.
0: too. <laughs> I was like, dang. Like, there's actual backing to this. It's not just blind. No, Big I know. Ten I hatred. have them beating it Michigan. Partially too. <laughs> blind Big Ten hatred, but also Florida State's one of the best defensive teams in the country. So, like, you know, you can see it happen.
1: I hope not. I I have a hatred for Florida State. Um. Anyone else have anything else they would like to point out?
3: Rockets should have just kept Caris uh, LeVert and not gotten Victor Oladipo.
0: Cap space is fun.
3: So he's having a guy that's not going to ditch you.
0: Everybody else has. Let's just take the picks.
1: Okay, yeah. hey, Levert's been balling came back from his cancer treatment he's balling shout out to him all right guys I think that's where we're at on time um big thank you we will be back next week uh before um the final four let's see what happens will the Big Ten still be standing I know what David thinks. So, um, thank you guys. And, um, we'll see you next time.